Chapter 15 There is no freedom for us in Yamoth, shouted Gix into the cavern. It was the largest chamber in all the caves, once home to nearly 10,000 untouchables. 5,000 remained, pressed into a tight mob beneath the ridge where the young rebel harangued. Yes, Yamoth elevated some of us, but the rest he leaves us to rot and die. Every day, more Thidic outcasts arrive in the quarantine cave. But for more than a year, no healthy folk have been called above. We will never be called. Yamoth has gleaned the grain and left the chaff to be burned. The throng's anger roared in the throat of rock where they gathered. I have striven to fulfill Yamoth's promises. I have conducted to the surface anyone with enough courage and hope to rise. For a time, those folk found promise in the light. But that time was all too brief. Yamoth does not usher us into the light, but into the furnace. He burns us to fuel the engine of his ascension. I personally have heard him speak of our dead as useful tools. He piles our bodies on the steps of the council hall like a rat catcher seeking bounty, and he gets his reward. The house sites are willing to pay more to kill us than to heal us, more to bury us than to raise us from this living tomb. Rage united the crowd in one voice. And do we fight back? Do we dare hate the hater? No, we cower in our tombs and thank Yamoth for each shovelful of dirt he pitches on our heads. Well, I say, no more! No more! They raised their fists with his. No more! We rise. We do not want to be elevated. We rise. Lava up the mountain's throat. We rise. Yamoth worked serenely at the desk beside the infirmary window. Outside, ragged riders poured from every sewer grate and storm drain. Watching them, he placidly stirred an antiserum. The concoction leached all metallic substances from blood and tissues, thereby accelerating the thysis. Anyone already infected would be dramatically worsened. Anyone healthy would contract the disease in mere days. There had been previously been no public use for the antiserum, but these riders suggested an excellent one. Gix will be leading them, Yamoth said to himself as he watched a brutish untouchable bash back a doorway, drag forth the man of the house, and beat him into an inner pulp. So there will be plenty of infected individuals among them. Yamoth lifted the antiserum and peered through the ruby liquid. In round distortion, he saw the brute get his head lopped off by a house guard. The pole axis had been Yamoth's suggestion. This lovely wine will prove very useful now indeed. Yamoth set down the antiserum and watched the battle unfold. A mob of untouchables gathered down the street, ready to charge the infirmary. He had expected as much. Gix would have identified the infirmary as the principal objective and Yamoth as the foe to be captured. It was merely a game of draughts. Yamoth had planned every detail of the city's defense. Gix would play the game just as Yamoth had laid it out. Gix and the Elder Council, Rebecca and Glaceon, even the Planeswalker Dyfed, all were opponents, whether they knew it or not. And this was Yamoth's game. He drew open a drawer of the desk and removed a shallow box. Within lay a miniature floor plan in the infirmary. Small power stones glittered in the key locations along the plan. Outside, a group of rabble, perhaps 200 strong, surged down the street toward the infirmary. Above their heads, they brandished whatever weapons, true or improvised, that they had gathered. An animal roar united them into a single mangy beast. The mob stretched out in the charge. The front of the group rushed up the main stairs. White marble murals funneled them beneath a lofted statue of crystal, a gigantic angel spreading wings of welcome before this place of healing. Without slowing, the riders crashed thunderously against the infirmary's steel doors. Rebecca had protested about those doors, Yamoth muttered. He had replaced cut glass with stout steel. She would not protest when she learned the new doors might well have saved her husband's life. The rest of the mob arrived. 
riders crushed up against steel. The momentum of their charge was spent in the impact of body on body. She will certainly protest about this, Yama said, citing a power stone from the miniature of the infirmary. Outside, the crystalline angel gave no sound as she tipped on her foundation. The massive figure tilted above the shoving mob. The angel fell. Only at the last did eyes rise to see her, rushing down, silent and grim, upon them. Perhaps fifty dived beneath the initial impact. The statue gleamed crimson for a moment, settling on corpses. Then, thousands of cracks raced above her gory figure. She shattered. Razor jags of angel lashed out to cut down another fifty. It seemed a red fountain, blood jetting up and crystal crashing down. Untouchables fell and flailed and flopped. A devastating play, Yamoth said. A hundred rebels defeated by a single work of art. That left a hundred more, of course. Let them live, horrified. Let them panic and spread the contagion among the others. A devastating play. The mob fell back. There was no longer a chance of breaking in that way, slick with blood and crystal shards. In their midst, Yalmoth glimpsed Gix himself. Within his wrappings, Gix's eyes were wide with horror. As all others stared in dumbfounded terror at the shattering angel and the slaughtered bodies, Gix glared toward the upper window where Yalmoth stood. He realizes. He knows this is a game, Yalmoth told himself. But he doesn't yet realize he cannot win. In the next moment, Gix seemed to. Shouting above the heads of the stunned throng, he called for them to scatter. It's a trap! Split up! They did not listen. Perhaps they could not hear him above the screams of the dying. He tried to show them, shoving them toward the side passages away from the infirmary. They staggered, moving only as far as he could shove them. At last, Gix grabbed the sleeves of two other riders and dragged them bodily from the street. They were the only three who would escape. No sooner had they fled than five of Yalmoth's sword-wielding healers closed off the street. Five more appeared in each byway, and twelve in each direction of the major thoroughfares. Behind them were phalanxes of new Halcite guard, forces now accountable directly to Yalmoth. He had instructed them and the healers that, in case of riot, they must report to the infirmary, secure it against attack, and enter to receive new orders. Now they converge, sixty-some trained, armed, and armored fighters against an unarmed mob of one hundred. As the slaughter began, Yalmoth blissfully withdrew from the window. He took with him the box schematic of the infirmary. The power stones there indicated that the doors and shutters of the lower floor were holding. Another stone that monitored the roof glowed deeply red. A flotilla of sedan chairs were setting up in position. Yalmoth had expected this arrival. Not untouchables, but another band of equally desperate opponents. Striding from his laboratory, Yalmoth climbed a set of stairs leading to the roof platforms. He hauled the bar from the door and flung it back, stepping into full view of the crowded rooftop. Before him, counselors climbed unsteadily from their sedan chairs. In their midst was the ever-regal eldest Jameth of Halcyon. Her robes were battered by the hasty flight, and her coiffer had suffered too. Still, she managed to compose her dignity and approach Yamoth. Greetings, healer Yamoth. You know why we are here. It is the only secure spot in the city, he teased gently. She was not amused. We have come to confer on you, as per our agreement. Complete command of the Halcyte Guard. You will maintain control until the threat of the invasion is eliminated. The city is yours to command. We throw ourselves on your mercy. Enigmatic smile touched Yalmont's lips. I had expected as much. He gestured out beyond the roof to the streets where the rebels died. The healing corps and the Halcyte Guard marched inward over fallen bodies. As you can see, my forces arrive even now. 
They converge here because I know this would be the main objective of the revolt. Also, the troops converge to receive special weaponry for this fight against Thydex. A bit of sweet deadliness. We hoped as much, Eldris Jameth responded grimly, her eyes sweeping the street, a river of blood. Elders clustered up beside her, wearing haunted looks. They were anxious to get below. So was the eldest. May we review the troops? Yamoth bowed gently and gestured toward the stairway. They will be filling the hall below just now. Come see. Without pause, he led them down the winding stair. His boots sent martial echoes through the passage. The others followed. Their soft-soled shoes whispered apologetically. All the while Yamoth descended, he manipulated his box schematic, unlocking the doors to the great hall. From below came the sound of soldiers flooding in. By the time Yawath and the counselors reached the great room, its white marble floor was stained with red footprints. Soldiers fell in line, guards on one side of the long chamber and healers on the other. At Yawath's insistence, slim plates of metal had been sewn into the shoulders, bellies, backs, and thighs of their jumpsuits. Yawath strode up between the gathering lines. The elders followed. Welcome to war, soldiers, healers, elders, Yawath said wearily. His fingers, gesturing to a pair of soldiers at the end of the line. Fetch the battle armor and swords. Haul them here, beside me. The two soldiers hurried in a wall of cabinets and threw back the tall white doors. Within were great racks, twenty filled with gleaming armor, and ten bins with swords, their hilts jutting upward. Hastily, the soldiers hauled racks and bins out into the center of the floor. From the first rack, Yamoth lifted a gleaming suit of silver armor, soldier plates, cuirass, chainmail skirt, and quizzes. With one swift motion, he donned the armor. It rang bell-like. A red power stone gleamed at his throat. This armor will more than protect your body from any attacks the dam can make against you. The power stone in each suit will make it mold perfectly to your frame. Your movements will be amplified by the armor. Your strength doubled. Your arms steadied. There is a helm for each of you as well. A stone set in each one of those will allow me to track your positions and provide special instruction should circumstances require it. Impressive designs, Yongmoth, Eldest Jameth interrupted. They are glacions, he said offhandedly to her. Speaking again to the soldiers, he said, As to specific orders, you must march to and defend the sector of the city you are assigned in your routine duties. Slay any riders you encounter. Use these swords. He leaned over one of the bin of swords, producing the jar of antiserum from his pocket. He poured some into each bin. Then he drew forth the sword, a massive double-edged weapon, its tip smeared with the red stuff. They have the same heft and length as the swords you are practiced with, but the inset stones here make the blade powerful enough to cut through rock. They are poison now, too, so be sure not to cut yourselves or any citizen. The poison will destroy our foes. Again, very impressive, the eldest said approvingly. Yamoth did not deign to answer this time. Instead, he gestured toward the racks and bins. Armor and arm yourselves. With the clamor of hundreds of boots, the soldiers and healers converged. A strange alliance of fear and hope filled the faces of the elders as Yamoth's forces converged. One by one, the troops were transformed into gleaming warriors with magic-enhanced great swords. How long have I been in charge of the house I guard? Yamoth asked the elders. Yamoth gathered the counselors. Come with me. You will see more. As the armies of Haosian accoted themselves and marched out into the bloody streets, Yamoth led the counselors upstairs. Their shoes stained each tread. Excited whispers filled the air. They were like children heading toward a room full of presents. The elders entered a corridor above. 
Yama strode imperiously down the aisle, stopped at a door, and flung it back. The counselors crowded up to see what lay beyond. It was a comical sight. In the murk, a company of ten goblins stood at the ready. They stared fearfully outward, bulbous heads and buggy eyes shimmering in the dark. Each held whatever medical implement had seemed most menacing. Scalpel, clamp, strap, tube. In their midst was the most pathetic figure, Glaceon in all his wretched decay. His skin was more rumpled and pocked than the goblins, his arms more puny, his eyes more terrified. He clutched a silence as though it were a sword. The single imposing figure in the room was Rebecca in her dirty work suit. She brandished a bed rail overhead, ready to bring it down. Yama spoke with gentle mockery. You are quite safe here, Rebecca. No one will harm your husband. The infirmary is well fortified. Eldest Jamin spoke up. It is a veritable castle. Come with us, Rebecca. Come see. Today the riots will end. He extended his hand to her. Blushing, Rebecca set down the bed rail. She surrendered her fingers to his grip. Glacian growled a garbled objection. No one but Rebecca could have known what he said, and even she paid him no heed. Yamoth led her out of the darkness. As they walked toward the laboratory, he lifted the box schematic. Do you see these power stones here, here, and here? They are linked to the main doors, and these are linked to the shutters, and these to the other defenses. Another innovation of your husband's. Rebecca's eyes were wide with amazement. This device? From his sketches? Yamoth smiled. His split mind has proved useful. Whenever I need a device, I begin the design myself and leave it in his room. He can't remember having started the work, but he will finish it. Design it for me. Together, we have created some marvelous devices for the defense of the Empire. He opened his laboratory door and entered, striding to a tall cabinet on one of the walls. This, though, is the greatest of them all. Yamoth opened the doors, revealing a simple panel of wood standing within. This? asked Rebecca as the counselors came up behind here. This wide, flat piece of wood is your greatest innovation? Without a word, Yamoth reached up to the top of the panel and pulled it down. The vast board pivoted on hidden hinges and springs until it settled into a broad table in their midst. The tabletop gleamed with a tight array of small power stones. To most eyes, the organization of those stones would have seemed random, but not to the eyes of Rebecca. She had designed so many buildings and avenues, had daily stared down on Halcyon from the heights of her temple. It's the city! She whispered. You've mapped the whole city with power stones. They are linked to the doors and shutters and lights in every building. They are linked to the stones in the helms and swords of the soldiers and healers. By merely touching a stone, I can control sights and warriors throughout Halcyon. Eldest Jameis' former awe had now deepened a dread. Yes, you can. You can control the whole city.